This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. On October 27, 1958, a Boeing 707 landed in Paris, France. And according to This Day in Aviation, this Pan American World Airways commercial flight of an American jet airliner opened what would be known as the Jet Age. Where did this flight originate? Well, New York City, of course. And as we'll find out in this episode, this day had implications on why this week's guest is able to talk about fantasy football and also work for a restaurant called Jet City Pizza. Welcome to Fantasy Football Origin Stories, where each episode is a journey back in time to explore the unique experiences of some of the coolest and most influential people in the fantasy football industry. I'm your host, Arnie Chapman, also known as the Football History Dude. Now, I love fantasy football, and I want you to come along with me to explore the yesteryear of the armchair gridiron. So hop on board my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time to stop the DeLorean, the date is October 26, 1958, and we're in New York City, baby. We're here to witness the dawn of what would become to be known as the Jet Age. This jet is nicknamed Clipper America, a Boeing 707-121, a jet that takes off from Idlewild Airport en route across the Atlantic to Paris, France. But why does this have anything to do with fantasy football, you ask? Well, this is the same day that the Giants, the New York football Giants that is, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers to start a winning streak and only lose one more game that year. Again, this is 1958. They would go on to ultimately play in the 1958 NFL Championship game. And if you're only a fantasy football fan and you think that the NFL started after the birth of the, uh, or after the merge of the AFL and NFL, or even after the Super Bowl era, well, this precluded that and ultimately laid the groundwork. But this 1958 NFL Championship game is often referred to as the greatest game ever played. Now, these Giants ended up losing to the Baltimore Colts, but it sparked an interest of Lamar Hunt and other future NFL owners, and of course, millions of Americans around the world. It was a sudden death overtime game. In the championship, nonetheless. Ultimately, this would lead to the birth of the AFL, a merger with, by the way, there's a help of another airport involved, and a secret meeting at Love Field in Dallas. You can go listen to that in other episodes of the Football History Dude if you want to. Ultimately, of course, the Jets, yeah, the J-E-T-S Jets, winning Super Bowl three. Catch the reference there? We're talking about the Jets? Jet City? Hmm. Are we talking about New York? No. We're talking about way across the other side of the country. But ultimately, this game that we all love, fantasy football, is based on the biggest sport in America. And it would not have been that way if it wasn't for the 1958 NFL Championship game and those very New York Giants losing to the Baltimore Colts. But now for the fantasy football part. We have Wilfred Bill Winkenbach to thank for our love of fantasy football because he is widely considered to be the father of fantasy football. And it was back in that same city, New York, at a hotel in 1962, after basically being tired of dealing with, well, he was a part-time, you know, owner, had a stake in the Raiders, and they weren't so good at the beginning. 
Of course, probably getting on a jet plane to fly over to New York City from Oakland, right? I'm just saying, because it all ties in, because this week's guest comes from the Jet City area, Seattle, Washington. And speaking of this week's guest, well, let's just get right into the interview. I introduce to you, Jesse Moeller. If you heard the show a little bit, then you kind of get the general gist of it. I guess the first thing I do always ask people, because I want to get a lay of the land, is do you have a team that you're loyal to as far as the NFL, or are you just an NFL fan in general? Yeah, so I grew up, um, I was born and raised as a Seahawks fan, and I'm still still loyal to them, but I try to separate my fandom from like myself as a fantasy analyst, so I try my best to keep those separate sometimes. That doesn't always work out, right? It's kind of hard to keep your biases out of it, but yeah. So, like, I that's my introduction to NFL. Um, we can kind of hit on a little bit, but like, my parents took me when I was six months. So no, it'd be eight months. Yeah, eight months old. Took me to my first NFL game where they dressed me up like Brian Bosworth with a little <laughs> faux hawk and everything in the Seahawks gear. So like, that was my introduction. I don't remember it. I just see the pictures because you know I was too young to remember it. But from that on, it was just. Local sports, all Seattle Northwest stuff. So yeah, it's it's been that for a long time. Do they like reminisce or talk about the whole where Bo Jackson like bowled him over in, in the Tecmo Bowl thing into the the the, the thing or what, <laughs> what, what what do they say about that? So we try, like because it's such a, a not such a good memory for Seahawks fans. Like right, like he's running all the way to Tacoma, as I think it was Al Michaels that said it. <laughs> but yeah, we it's come up a few times where it's just like I was like, what was that like? My parents are just like, man, that was that was brutal. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, hey, I get it. Yeah, um, I'm more with my my. I have a ten year old a brother that's ten years older than I, so he has a lot more of those like younger memories, which you know they become ingrained and more important when you're that age. So he, he is more into that stuff than my parents, per se, where he'll bring up the stuff from, like, the 80s and 90s, and we'll talk about, you know, like, Seahawks Legends, like, Kenny Easley and guys like that who, you know, people nowadays don't know about, but, you know, stuff that we kind of know about. So, yeah, that's – I am getting older. I'm in my mid-30s, so <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not young anymore, but, you know, it's just I have all those memories growing up, like, through Hasselbeck era and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, if you want to dive into the Seahawks aspect of it, like, I have plenty that I can talk about with that, or we can – so it's really just your call. Like, I'm, I'm – Open or whatever, but yeah, I've grown up with NFL in my life as long as I got you. Especially if you went there as a eight month year old. So I'm looking at it here. So yeah, thirty years. I was trying to figure out when that was because like I was too young to really remember it from a standpoint. I'm 38 or 39 myself, and okay, so it says 87 season. It looks like so. Yeah, I don't I don't remember that, but you know, I just (laughs) yeah, it's a long time ago. It's just funny when you say the term Bosworth. That's like that's the first thing that comes to my head as a non like Seahawks fan is like the the guy getting tagged or basically ran over because didn't they talk some trash before the game or something and it was like a big deal or I, I think that was what it, the whole thing was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was uh, braggadocious, cocky, however you want to phrase it. Uh, yeah, and he was just a small linebacker, so him going up against Bo Jackson where he's undersized wearing the big shoulder pads, obviously that did not work out very well, and you. You can tell the difference. Like, one's a full-grown man. The other guy's just undersized linebacker trying to tackle him. Just, yeah. It's like, oh, maybe that was a bad decision to draft this guy who's undersized and has shoulder issues. But, you know, you live and learn, I Yeah, guess. exactly. <laughs> huh. No, I, I mean, he didn't really have that long of a career thereafter, right? Or it wasn't even that successful. Yeah, he just did a good job of marketing himself. Like, that's why he became so famous and well-known, right? Like, he did certain things and got his name out there and all those things. And then ran into trouble for some of the things he did later <laughs> on in life. But, yeah. Well, I mean, good for him. He still was able to make his money even if his career wasn't that great. Uh you kind of got the, you know, we talked about your first memory of football. Well, it wasn't maybe the one that you actually remembered, but like getting into it. 
let's kind of dive in there because I mean, I, I do the same thing. Like you said, you try to transition your, or try to separate your fandom for your team. I'm a Lions fan, by the way. I don't know if I have my coaster here. Barry Sanders' coaster is right here under my drink. So, like, that's who I grew up with is the Barry Sanders era. And you didn't know anything other than Barry until uh, he retired and I had to cry myself to sleep because it's like, wait a second, who is this guy? Um, what about fantasy football then? Like, when did you actually get into it or recall it or whatever it is, maybe your first league? So my first start, actually, my dad had the old Internet Explorer set up on the computer in the living room and he was on Yahoo. So that was the first thing. And I was just like, he left it open, right? So I'm, I'm in sixth grade and I'm like, ooh, I'll go use the computer, see what it's about, right? So I was on the sports section and for somehow I ended up in the fantasy football section. I think I clicked NFL and maybe it wound up in fantasy football. I was like, oh, what is this? Because my dad uh, would do the pickums where you, you know, you pick each game and you weigh the confidence like one through 15 or 16 or whatever it is. Right. And you would do that. So like that was my first introduction to any type of gambling or betting with sports with that through my dad. And then I wound up a fancy football and I was like, what is this? Cause I'd grown up watching football for so long. And this was the mid to late nineties where, you know, it was like Jerry Rice, Barry Sanders, who was my favorite running back growing up. Like I loved that guy. And I, I'll still pull up the highlights of Barry Sanders just every once in a while on YouTube. Where I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's special. But um, yeah, I, we're only about a month away from the, the documentary sometime in November. Oh, that's I'm, I'm really excited to check that out. So when that drops, I will be finding some time where my daughter's asleep and my, you know, it's nighttime and I'll be able to watch it. But yeah, I'm really excited to see that. But you know, for me, fantasy football is like, I just loved it. Like the first time I did it, it was some random league on Yahoo where they just, you know, I had some random ID. I don't remember what it was because like I had to set up an account or it might have been even my dad's account. I don't remember. But I just did this league and I was like, oh, you could pick players. And it was a disaster, right? Because I didn't know what I was doing. It was sixth grade. And I'm just like, ooh, pick my favorite players, do all that stuff. It did not go well, but I just loved the idea of being able to pick players, have a team and go from there. So that was my first jumping point. And then, so that was 1999. I think it was the first year I did that. So it's been fantasy football ever since then. Obviously, it was not super serious. It was just me being a kid, having a fun time, playing a game that I loved while I was playing football as a kid. And then it slowly grew more where I did a couple home leagues with friends. And I'm still in this home dynasty league. We're in like year 13, I think it is now. So we have a few leagues of that that have been for a long time and growing. And it's just grown and grown and grown where I start playing more leagues here and more leagues there where they even friends now are like, oh, like, Hey, I have a question for you. Cause you know, like they all know I love fantasy football, right? So they'll be asking me questions. And then that slowly leads into doing more fantasy content. Like, Oh, all right. I'll put stuff on Twitter. Then they'll like, like they'll write a thread on Kirk cousins. And then some company will reach out like, Hey, do you want to write content? And I was like, you want me some just random person to write content? They're like, yeah, like for sure. I was like, okay. So we do that. Right. And then it just keeps snowballing. It's like, Oh, now you start working for multiple companies. So yeah, it's just this long winding road where there was no real direction. It was all just like, I like fantasy football. Like this is my whole, like the starting point and branching off from there into like where I am now, which is like, I've been producing content for like three years now. I think it is. It's pretty strange how far that road where I started at when I was in sixth grade to where I'm at now. I never would have expected where I'm working for multiple companies, making video work, you know, doing all this stuff. So it's just, it's very interesting to like look back and think like, Hmm, how did this, how did I get here from there? So yeah, it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun and I very much enjoy it. Yeah, we don't really, you know, none of us, especially at our age, went to school to be a fantasy analyst because it really wasn't a thing or any, you know, still really isn't a thing, I guess. But it's not something that when you're young at, <laughs> like you said, sixth grade, I'm going to start learning how to this fantasy football thing is. You're not thinking I'm going to grow up and be a guy in fantasy football. Um, You kind of answered, so some of the questions that we like to ask, you kind of 
really answer them. We'll dive more deep into them as we go. So I had to look at the 2010 fantasy rankings because you said it was about 13 years old for your uh, dynasty league. You're not the guy that took Peyton Hillis because that was the one year that he had great. And then after that, right? <laughs> no, I do remember that for Madden though. So I like, I remember that that yeah. was back when I was playing a lot more video games. So that one sticks out because he has the cover and all of that stuff. Right. They're like this dude from Cleveland, Cleveland's this trash team. Like they haven't been good forever, but they have this one guy that pops off. And it's like, so I remember that. Um, I don't actually, the first, so like we transitioned to dynasty in 2020, but it was a keeper league all the way going back then. I think the first, player that like really popped off for me was like Antonio Brown and this was a few years later but like he was the one guy that I was like had Antonio Brown for every year during that stretch run where it was like five years if he's the wide receiver one I was like this is glorious um so obviously it snowballed for him but yeah like that's the, the few of the memories that you have where you have these particular players or like people that had Calvin Johnson or those people that had CJ2K right like I had him for a year and that was glorious and yeah, in it's fun with that league in particular, just because we talk so much trash with each other. Like that's the thing, the camaraderie we have all the fancy football, right? Where it's like you have all of these leagues. I think I'm in 25 total leagues, so like a lot of leagues doing a lot of different things with different people. Some are industry related, some aren't. But the ones that are the like close to my heart are the ones that are with the people I know and grew up with, or like you have this camaraderie involved with the league. So I that's I when I talk to people about why I love fancy football, it's that aspect. It's this bonding that you have with a group of friends around a topic that like kind of similar to like playing like um, rec sports. It's like you just bond with each other while you're doing this activity. Right. So it's not necessarily the activity that does it. It's the camaraderie you have with each other while you're playing it. And that's kind of why I love the fantasy football. So yeah, that those two home leagues in particular are like my bread and butter leagues that I don't care how bad I do in the rest leagues. If I win those leagues, like I consider it a good year. Yeah, I mean, those are the ones that you really put all your effort into, probably more so, too, for the waiver wire and trade. If you have to, like, prioritize it, I'm sure those are your your first ones and then go from there kind of thing. Uh, do, do you do a, are you able – are you afforded the opportunity to have live drafts where you're in person for either one of those two or no? Well, the last few years with COVID, we really kind of tailored away from that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're kicking the idea around, so I think – you know, and my schedule is a little weird. I work nights. I run a restaurant. So, like, there's that on top of it. So, that really just cuts into a lot of, like, time. But, yeah, we – I think in this upcoming year, we're going to try to do live drafts. But before COVID, like, every year we would have the live drafts. Sit down. Everyone get in person. Like, you could bring your computer or you could just sit down, a piece of paper, write it down. And then you go up, put the name on the board. Rise each other. Have a great time. So, yeah, those – those memories and how we went about deciding draft orders and stuff like that. Like one time we did super smash bros, which was really fun where randomized character creations, you're just rooting for people to win contests or we did it with WrestleMania type stuff like that. Yeah. So those memories stand out to me of like all of the fancy football related things. That's not the first time I heard on this podcast someone saying we use Super Smash Brothers, and but they didn't like randomize it. They did a tournament, and then it or, was it Smash Brothers or Go Kart? Actually, it might have been Super Mario Kart. It might have been the I don't remember which one it was now, but yeah, that's funny. I've heard a lot of different things in the past too, or you know, you listen to podcasts, people talking about draft order things, or like you know, if you're the loser at the end, you have to do different things for the next year's draft. Uh, the restaurant, okay, so that sparked a question I want to ask now. Is it a type of restaurant where you've had people come in and like rent the place out to have drafts or is it not that style? We're not that big of a restaurant. Like we have a small space where people sit down, like 20 people in the front, but it's not like your traditional sit down. It's more of like a mix of like we do deliveries and pickups and stuff like that too. So it's kind of an in-between restaurant. Um, but yeah, like that might be something in the future that we would do. We've, we've talked about 
Because the Seahawks Stadium, I can't remember what they call it now. I think it's Lumen Field, but they've changed the name like five times. But they offer the service where you and a group of friends can like rent out a, a spot and like a, you know, a, a whatever it is, a room. So I think we're going to do that next year where we rent out a room and just draft at Seahawks Stadium. Just, just go all the way with it because I think the, the destination drafts, which anyone's able to do those, or particularly fun. Like people will go to Vegas and do this stuff. And a lot of people will talk about the league and how that sparked ideas for them because that's such a fancy football show. Right. But yeah, like that's something we're very much pushing towards. So if we don't do it in Seattle, we might like, we have a few people that live outside of the state in Kansas and other places. So trying to organize an activity where we can all get together for a weekend, like that would be a lot of fun. So that's our, that's our next big goal in this league. Yeah. That'd be ideal if you could make that happen. Uh, what's your, what's your best di- or your, your favorite dish at your place that you, your restaurant. So for me, we do a lot of unique pizzas. It's not your traditional, like just pepperoni. Like obviously we have like a triple pepperoni, which everyone loves because everybody loves pepperoni, right? With Parmesan, things of that nature. But we have this one pizza called brew combo. It's interesting because it has cashews, jalapenos, it has onions, pepperoni, like sausage, salami. It's actually really interesting, but it works really well. And you wouldn't expect cashews to be good on a pizza. And obviously I'll caveat this by saying you have to like cashews. If you don't like cashews, not going to like the pizza, right? But just the combination of like the saltiness and like the sweet, a little bit aspect of it too. It just, it all hits all the right notes. So you eat the pizza, you're just like, oh yeah, that's the good stuff, right? So yeah, we have quite a few different, like not your traditional pizzas, you could say. So we're a more unique spot. Huh, that is cool. I mean, hey, if it's okay with you, if it, you want to give a shout out on the show to the, what the name of the restaurant yeah, it's, is. Um, it's in Newcastle, Washington. So this is about 30 to 40 minutes kind of southeast of Seattle, um, and it's Jet City Pizza. So a re- reference to, like, you know, Seattle and Boeing and all that stuff, why they call it Jet City, right? So, yeah, it's just Jet City Pizza. You can look it up at jetcitypizza.com, the Newcastle location, and you'll just see it right Boom. There. So then if the listener of the show is in that area, you got to go check it out now. Um, and they got to get the – what do you call that, Pete, the one with the all, uh, the cashews on it? Oh, brew combo. Okay, we got to get the brew combo. Now let's give you a chance to turn it into fantasy football. Okay, either this year or maybe a player that you could never quit throughout the years. Let's give one player, if you had to call them, that's the brew combo throughout your years. What would that be? Or who would it be? Yeah, so um, the brew combo is, a, it's not your traditional pizza. It's it's you kind of have to have a little bit of an eclectic taste. And it really, if anybody knows me, it might love for the tight end, Mr. Kyle Pitts, and how much, um, how unique that is, right? I kind of find the parallels with that. So it's not, it's not for everybody, but if you do like it and you like these, you know, you chase the target share and all those unique things that don't necessarily equal fancy points, it's Kyle Pitts. So the brew combo is the Kyle Pitts of the pizza world. So, so yeah, brew combo, Kyle Pitts. There you go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I will tell you the, there's the probably it'd be the second one I care the most about the league. And I didn't take Pitts in any of my leagues other than best ball, but he was sitting there, and this is a PPR at like, I don't know, really late. Maybe we'll call it round eight or nine. And I'm like, I texted my brother, I'm like, I just got to take him. I typically wouldn't, but at this point, I got to do it. And he's been hit or miss. And then the best game he has, I have him on the bench for Logan Thomas this past week playing against each other. And it's like, come on, man. You know, (laughs) so yeah, I. I, That's what makes it so fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I would like this Brew Haha pizza or Brew City pizza, but I think it sounds like, yes, the Kyla Pitts experience in a nutshell for me. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's get on. I mean, it is getting near dinner time. I am going to get hungry. I'm going to have to check out this uh, place that you go if I ever venture over to Seattle. But you you, you alluded to earlier um, 
oh, geez, what was it? I'm losing my train of thought with the Seahawks and all that stuff. And there was something else you alluded to, but let's go with the story. Oh, I didn't show you this. And you might get catch this. So we got the DeLorean. So you get to go back in time. That's oh, nice. that, that's the premise of the show. Yes. And if you see my artwork, it's like, you know, the whole back. My original show was football history, dude. We go back in time. But I like to ask a question to the listener. Okay. For me, maybe it is drafting Kyle Pitts, even though, or maybe actually playing him last week. But you get to go back in time and do like a mulligan or a redo or whatever it is on like some crazy trade you made or a draft pick or something that really altered the course of one of your your leagues which one would it be okay so in the year 2021 my team i made a big push i bought into christian mccaffrey and saquon barkley in the offseason before that year and this is where we dealt with injuries it did not work out right but my team was like a borderline contender where i knew i had the pieces we had um like some other good young players we had the quarterbacks everything set up we just needed a few pieces right and this is when Freaking the man out of Miami who is basically out of the league right now, Miles Gaskin, where he was having an RB1 season and it was halfway through the year and I had an extra first round pick and I was like, you know what? Like, I'll, I know I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to make this move, right? So I ship off like a mid to late first round pick for Miles Gaskin and this is where he just face plants from that point forward. He was the RB10 and then he just didn't do anything the rest of the year and I was like, oh, what a disaster of a trade. So yeah, that was learning the hard way of hmm, maybe don't buy into these suspect non-explosive running backs and it's just it bit me in the ass so yeah that that miles gaskin trade is by far my worst trade that i've ever made i traded aj brown away for a first round pick i regret that one but nowhere near as bad as regretting this miles gaskin trade that's by far the one that still haunts me to this day well uh you can you can keep the keys a little lorian there if you want to go back and try to somehow reverse that but just be buyers <laughs> beware you don't know if you make a different kind of trade what's going to happen on that on that aspect but uh, you've alluded to this again earlier about the, I'm a, whatever, a sixth grade starting fantasy football all the way to now I'm kind of writing and I'm working for different like fantasy outlets. But let's do that part of the episode. Let's get that part of, let's talk about being a sixth grader all the way through more in detail of who you've worked for, what you've kind of contributed to, and then now being on, I call it the pinnacle of your fantasy football career, the fantasy football origin stories. So I'm I'm working for P2W, which is Nick Script Company. Who he's he's now associated with Fantrax, so he's like doing a lot of things on his own. But P2W is his bread and butter. Um, I work for them, kind of doing different things with them, where I produce content. And then the one company that I've been with the past three years, it was like basically I, they weren't the first company I started with, but they've been the one I've been with thick and through. It's because they're a family and the way they treat employees. Like I love just the atmosphere. It's the league winners. So if you see a lot of my content or a lot of stuff on Twitter, like it's all associated with league winners. So that's the one where like, that's my baby kind of where I've had options to leave them and I don't want to, right. Just because I've worked for other companies and it's just kind of like, they treat you just like a robot where it's like, Hey, produce content. All right, cool. Next blah, blah, blah. There's no really like camaraderie or anything like that. But the way Thomas um, goes about treating his employees is like really nice and refreshing. And I've bridging this back to pizza. I've been, with that company for like 20 years. So like I, I'm very big into loyalty and how you treat people. So if, if that's something that I see, I'm more than willing to stay through with it and help build this company. So yeah, league winners is my bread and butter. Like I do a lot of not so much written content anymore, but a lot more video oriented content with like TikTok and you know, YouTube and all that fun stuff. Okay, so yeah, you, you, I mean, you, again, you gave some love. I already was going to ask you that question. Give some love to both of those two companies that you're given. But what about this podcast here? Let me make sure I say in this right. Rantings of a fantasy football fanatic. What is this? So that is my just kind of solo project where 
I did a lot more of it in the off season and in season. It's I'm doing some of it, but just not as much because I'm more focused on the in season, like redraft content and things of that nature. But that is me basically just being a fanatic of fantasy football, giving you my thoughts. Um, we had do some dynasty related episodes, which I did a lot of dynasty themes related content in the off season. And in the end season, it's more like we're doing sit start um, every Sunday. We do that. So that'll be on there. We have like the waiver wires. We'll do all sorts of that content. So it's, it's more shifted from some dynasty content to more pushing it into redraft in season. And then when the season slows down, so basically January when fantasy football ends, we'll transition that back to the dynasty aspect of content where I'll do pieces on individual players or we'll, you know, we'll break down trade scenarios and talk about the market, basically everything with dynasty. So if you, if you are a dynasty diehard or you love dynasty football, like that's kind of what I love to focus on because that's something that really just hits home and makes sense in my brain. The way my brain works, like dynasty, I treat it like the stock market. And it's, it's like a one for one thing for me where I love redraft and it's a lot of fun, but dynasty is the one that I love the most. And that's the thing I prefer to play and why most of my leagues are dynasty. And the fact you can just play fantasy football 24, seven, 365. Like, so a lot of my favorite pieces to do are dynasty related because of that. I brought, that's been brought up on numerous times in this show about the whole dynasty aspect and moving, shifting more towards it and, hoping that some of these more major platforms become, I guess you could say streamline the process to make it so you can actually play dynasty on them as opposed to having to go to some, you know, the, the, the one-offs. Uh, okay. That's, that's, Hmm. I'm actually trying to think about how I'm going to word this or change the story. Then we'll do that. Let's go into the future. You get the DeLorean again, but you get to go in the future and maybe like, what would you like to see or a suggestion you have for, the outcome to, to so dynasty can be more readily available to like the layman fantasy football player. So I think it depends on the bigger sites and particularly the one I have the biggest bone to pick is ESPN and it's how they set up their fantasy site. It's really not great for drafting. Um, and particularly you go on the app, they don't have a draft board or things of that nature. And a lot of dynasty players like the trading aspect and I'll, putting this back to ESPN because I found this out a couple weeks ago. I, I was sent a trade and I could not counter that trade. I was only allowed to accept or deny. And with Dynasty, it's all about you working the edges and making these trades that are really easy. You can pick up your draft picks. It's all there, easily accessible. All your players are on that same screen, right? So that's why I love the way Sleeper goes about doing this. They make it accessible to like an everyday player where it's the UI is really easy to understand. Once you get in there, it's easy to use. A lot of these... um Websites are a little outdated and how they go about presenting their leagues. So if you're not, you know, particularly comfortable with it, it's, it feels like you're learning a new language and it's like not something you understand. And you really have to put in like a lot of effort to get it to where you're like, okay, I understand this, but it's just about up to the bigger companies fully embracing dynasty and like slowly diving into it more. So if we see a lot more of this from like Yahoo or ESPN, any of these really big names, and we're starting to see it from football guys a little bit where they're shifting more into the dynasty mode. And you see them slowly just embrace that potentially. So like, I like slowly getting there. Like if starting four years ago, if I looked at like where sleeper was at four years ago compared to now, it's like a drastically different world where sleepers by far the most popular dynasty website. And it's, I think that's because these other big companies left this giant opening for them to kind of just step into and be that, you know, front of the dynasty brand company. So if they embrace it, because ESPN is still by far the biggest website, Yahoo's the second biggest. So if those two go about embracing it more, it'll slowly bring along a lot of these redraft people who once the season's over, they're like, man, I still want to play fantasy football. Right. And I, I just don't have an outlet to play it. So if you bring it to the masses that way and they slowly embrace it and invest in that, I think that would really kickstart the process of us slowly shifting more towards dynasty. You know, it's actually 
kind of the way you brought that up about the whole sleeper thing is funny because I, I view myself typically as someone who is willing to try out different like apps or technology or whatever it may be. But I, and, I, and I've always wanted to do like a dynasty myself, but sleeper to me seems so foreign. And I was that guy. I, I feel old now because I, like I only played on like the big sites where the, the leagues I was already on. And then I was forced to do the sleeper through the Scott Fishbowl. And then this other thing that I did through the Fantasy Football Expo. And now that I'm playing in it, I actually don't like it because I didn't take the time to learn it. I'm like, this is so annoying. I don't do many waivers on there. Or tra-. I'm like, this is so... But then I can understand why people... Because they built this specifically for fantasy football as opposed to ESPN was like, okay, this is just a small part. This is another thing that we have in our old conglomerate of what we have going on there. It's just funny the different viewpoints that I've... I've always heard Sleeper, they always say it's the best thing. Like on the Fantasy Footballers, one of the bigger shows out there, period. And they always like would promote it and that kind of stuff. So I had to check it out. But <laughs> at the time, I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird because like you... Particularly if you grow up on one of those sites like Yahoo or ESPN, you're so like accustomed to a particular way of playing fantasy football and how it's presented, right? So it kind of like rewires your brain and like, all right, this is how you play fantasy football, this is how it looks, and this is how it works, right? So you become used to that. And then a website comes on that does it differently. And I think it's a much more like streamlined process. It's a lot easier to use, but it's completely different. It's like you you jump on, you don't know what's going on, right? You're like, well, this is weird. It looks different. I don't know how to do this. Like they give you the draft board. It's all up there. Everything's on your screen in one setting, which like I love that. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, this makes sense. But like my brain's kind of wired toward Dynasty. And if you're not, it is it is a learning curve. So it does take some time to get used to it. But I will say... If we're able to condense like all of your leagues onto one platform, like that's the biggest thing for me. Like I hate having five different apps of fantasy football, right? Where it's on, you know, DLF, like, um, like then Scott Fishbowl was on uh, the DLF. And then, you know, you go to like Yahoo and ESPN and all these other websites, right? So I like having it condensed to just one place that just makes it save me so much time. So if like, if they're able to go about doing that and like, this is why I like sleeper because you can do all that. But yeah, if you're able to make it so it's not such a difficult task where you have to go to different sites, put it all in extra time with waivers like you're talking about and going outside of the app, going back into it. Yeah, it's just, it could be a chore. So I completely get that. Yeah, I don't want to necessarily see a monopoly, but I would like to see what you said where maybe it's even just one portal that they all agree on. This is best for the industry as a whole. We still have our separate, you know, features, functions, whatever you want to call it. But then they have like one main portal that they all agree on this is the league of fantasy football together and then they you know like league of legends so they put themselves in one portal um okay there you go that's that's going to be my recommendation for this episode you know for, for the big boys um hmm. give a shout out to where can the listener of the show find you and your work and maybe some other places like that okay so all of my content is on Twitter. Um, but basically, my username is jmoller05. So J, my first letter of my name. My last name is Moller. So J-M-O-E-L-L-E-R-0-5. That is my username for every site. So if you go to YouTube, you could type in jmoller05. You'll find me that way. Twitter, you'll find me that way. Even Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, um, Instagram, all those sites. So I, I try to keep that username simple just so people can find me so they don't have to do five different usernames, right? As you can tell, I like to keep everything streamlined. So keep the same username for that. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of the, it's all Twitter related. Like that's the main highlight I'm on. If you ever want to shoot me a message, you're more than welcome to hop on Twitter. Like I'll interact with you that way. But yeah, if you're on Instagram, find me that way, TikTok, any, any social media app. And then the companies are right for the league winners, the league winners basically is the bread and butter. And then P2W, that's the other one. So any one of those two sites or all the social media platforms. 
So you're a busy guy, you know, you're running, you're slinging pizzas and you have all these different apps you just talked about. Like how does, okay, a lot of times I like to say, let's give the listener of the show some like recommendations because the ones listening to this, a lot of them are like, hey, I want to kind of do that thing too. But like, how do you keep track of all of it to put out content, but still stay sane? So that's the hardest part, particularly because I have a four-year-old daughter. So it's, it's about managing your time and coming in with a plan. I first started doing this without a plan. I was just kind of freewheeling it. And boy, let me tell you, that was a disaster. Like I was getting no sleep. Nothing was working. So it was just like, my wife's like, you have to do better. And I was like, you are hundred percent right. So I have to come in with a process. I have to like trim everything down. I have to set aside certain times of the day. Whenever I know there's free time, say, say if you have a half hour here, or you have 45 minutes right there. Like you don't need three hour bunches. You just need segments you can set aside. So if you have those segments, pick those segments where you know you have free time and then that's where you get to the work. Like for me, the best time is when I get home from work late at nights because the family's asleep and I just get to do work then, right? But if you if you have time at like two o'clock in the day or you're taking a break, do it then or, you know, 5.30. It's just, it's all about planning your day around that and making it work today. You don't want to stress yourself out by doing more than you're capable of. Like you agree to do five things and you can only do three. So it's it's about knowing your schedule and planning it around your schedule to work at work, I would say. Okay, so you... Give a listener, I can plan my schedule, I can chuck it out, I can, you know, give the silos or whatever. But what about within that 20 minutes? I got 20 minutes to spend to do something. Like, do you give a recommendation or a tip to make sure it's most effective? Yeah, so it depends what you're trying to do. Like, if you're trying to write an article, maybe in that 20 minutes, come up with the idea of your article. Like, what, what's my article going to be? And then break it down into segments. Be like, all right, here's what the first paragraph's going to be about. Second paragraph is going to be about third and then my closing paragraph. Like you have your intro, you have your closing, then you have your middle section, right? Or if you're doing a video, do I have my intro? What's my intro going to be? Then do I have, you know, a topic that we're going to cover? What's the topic overall? And then you kind of basically write it down. So I'll use a lot of times I'll use Google Docs and I will just set up my article, put questions in. Or if I'm doing a video where I'm interviewing someone like this, I would put my questions in the show sheet, you know, go that way about it. It's just about organizing and prioritizing your team the most efficiently. And so if you're able to plan it out in those small segments, it makes a world of difference. Because if you're trying to do it all at once, you're going to run out of time and you're going to go longer than you plan. And I found this out the hardware. I was like, these episodes are taking me four hours to do. I was like, I don't have four hours of time. So like I slowly learned the hard, which, you know, is up to me not being the smartest person in the world sometimes. But, you know, trimming the time down, going in with a plan and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't work, then tailoring it to make it work. You know, so try something. If that doesn't work, maybe shift to a different way of doing about it. But it's just finding whatever works for you. But I will say the plan by far is like the easiest way to get stuff done for me. Boom. So that basically would have been your drop the mic moment if I would have asked the question the right way at the end. However, I wanted to kind of tie this all back into the whole Bosworth getting trucked over by Bo Jackson thing. So let's leave a listener to the show with some last words of fantasy knowledge nuggets through the lens of somebody that's been playing for so long. So this upcoming rest of the year, they don't get trucked just like Bosworth did in their season moving forward. Yeah. So that, that was me stepping into the space thinking I could do it all right. Where I was like, Oh yeah, I'll do this. I'll take this article on. And yeah, then I got trucked and learned the hard way, but I would say analyzing your team, knowing where your team stands. And if we're looking at it from a dynasty lens, looking at your max point forward, 
seeing how you're dealing with injuries. Where do you stack up against the rest of the league? Are you a contender? Do you have draft capital to use? Can you do that? Then go do that, right? So, and on redraft, it's about finding the holes. Like, say you have a surplus wide receivers. Go ahead and help your wide running back room out, right? To try to balance your room and make your team, you know, as good as you can be. But it's knowing your team and knowing your league and then planning accordingly. And if you know, and I know it's harder to trade in redraft. Not everybody loves to trade, right? But trying your best to set your team up in a position to win. And, and lastly, look at end of season schedules, see who has positive schedules, you know, target those guys and go from there. Obviously that's like a very short condensed version of it. We can dive into this in detail, but I would say that's like a, a few bullet points I would use to try to set yourself up for the best way to win. There you go. What type of pizza is your fantasy football team? Are you a meat lovers? You know, maybe the three yards in a cloud of dust, the old school taking three running backs in the first three rounds. Or, well, I don't know. I don't know what other kind of football references and pizza to make and all these kind of fantasy football teams. All I know is it's kind of making me hungry, so I'm going to bounce and get on out of here. But don't forget, if you want to learn more about this show or see some of the other guests that we have on the Fantasy Football Origin Stories, all you got to do is head over to fantasyfootballoriginstories.com. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Football Origin Stories. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please make sure to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player of choice, then head over to the website for the show notes and more fantasy football origin stories. That's at fantasyfootballoriginstories.com. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads.